Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. Hi guys, welcome back to another new episode of the Beyond Fit podcast on a Wednesday full-length episode day. So today the plan is not releasing one of the interviews that I've done recently. Um, Those that I have done have been a lot of fun and so I hope that you've enjoyed the last two interviews being the one most recently with Aaron Straker, and then before that with Pat Flynn. Make sure you give those a listen if you haven't yet. This week and last, I've done interviews with Dr. Eric Helms and Chase Tuning, and then tomorrow have one with my friend Paul Cleegan. So very excited to release those, but what I wanted to do today was do a little bit of a Q&A podcast, and these questions come from either specific questions I've gotten from clients or on Instagram, or just questions that seem to get repeated a lot um, from Instagram followers or clients of my coaching program that I thought I would expand a little bit more on, give my thoughts on. Some you may have heard before, some you may not have, but I think that all of these are going to give you, even if you did feel pretty confident about what the answer to the question is, Um, They're going to give you a good reminder to spur that positive flow of information and positive reminders of what to do with your training, what to do with your diet, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, before I get into it, I just wanted to mention that there will be no mid-roll today for my coaching advertisement, but I did want to mention that my coaching service, Jake Parker Coaching Services, aptly named, is accepting four clients when the new year comes around. So whenever uh, 2021 starts, I think that usually happens on January 1st. Um, When that happens, I'm going to be accepting four new clients um, onto the program. And basically what you get with that, um, if you are not familiar with the offer, is a custom workout plan. And this is customized regardless of your equipment availability. So even if you're just doing calisthenics or working with a limited amount of equipment at home, we can work with that. It is regardless of experience. So if you have done a lot of weightlifting, but want to figure out how to optimize your routine, I can help you with that. Or if you're just curious about getting into shape, back into shape, into weightlifting, or any sort of um, specific strength training, because that is the bulk of the focus, although there is other aspects that we can also help you with. So if you're interested, reach out. Um, Additionally, you'll get nutrition advice based on your preferences, restrictions, and lifestyle. I've talked before about the fact that I don't do meal plans, but rather just nutritional counseling on how to optimize what you eat how to become educated on the things you're eating, how to make smart choices and build your intuition around nutrition, because those are the type of skills that you can take far, far past any coaching relationship 
with myself and just really use for the rest of your life. That's my goal here is to help you sustainably get healthy and build a fitter, stronger body, not just tell you to do something and then have you do it and get in good shape, but educate you on the mechanisms that we're working with. So if you're interested, there's a money back guarantee. If you are unhappy for any reason, I grant 100% of those because I'm so confident that you will enjoy the experience and there are no commitments. So you can stop anytime. Um, additionally, you will get weekly check-ins with email and one-on-one -on -one, uh, consultations just for any other questions, comments you may have. And I'm always available for you to reach out via text or communication within our app. So if that's something that interests you, uh, my email is here. If you wanna ask additional questions, you can always um, DM me on Instagram or you can just book an appointment if you feel ready today. This appointment is a coaching discovery call. It's also linked here. And the goal is just to figure out if coaching would work for you and me um, to get towards your goals together, figure out what your goals are. And above that, I'm always willing to just give any advice, tips, um, insight, even if you don't end up wanting to join coaching, or if I decide that it might not be best for you right now after we get done with a call. So that's all for that. Getting into the Q and a podcast. The first question I have here is how should I warm up? What's the best way to warm up? And keep in mind that this is all in the context of weightlifting or strength training, specific workouts in some way, you know, whether that be calisthenics stuff you're doing at home, push-ups, pull-ups, um, other calisthenic type movements or movements with limited equipment or equipment that you, you know, have kind of in a roundabout way made work for you. Um, but this is about body strengthening and just strength training in general. So how do you, how do you warm up for that? I had a conversation with a client today and I explained to him what my methodology as far as warming up is. And he asked, in addition to that, if he should do stretching and other mobility type work, um, because I did state to him that stretching and mobility work is not necessary when you are getting ready to lift weights or strength train. What I would rather you do is work with about 50% of your working weight as far as, um, or just working capacity. So like, say you're getting ready to do push-ups. If your max push-ups is about 20, I'd like you to start with three to four sets of five to 10 push-ups just to get that feel and get those muscles sort of pumped up and warm. Um, if you want to apply that to bench press, say you bench press 200 pounds for your working set, I'd like you to start at about half that weight. So about hundred pounds and rep out between five and 10. Uh, reps repeatedly again three to four sets so this may look a little bit different based on how many reps you're going for so like obviously the weight is going to be a lot lower if you're going high reps like 10 plus and if you're going like four to six reps the weight's going to be a lot heavier so gauge anything that you can just get for a good warm-up set of five to ten reps and do that and it should be about 50 percent of your capacity so we talked before about rpe on this podcast which means rate of perceived exertion. When you are warming up, I want your rate of perceived exertion to be about at a five out of 10. 
So it's very easy. It's about half of your full capacity. And again, you're really just getting those muscles warmed up. You're getting them pumped. You're getting them focused. You're getting your brain, your mind muscle connection focused on these muscles. And the thing that this is going to do is get you prepared to lift hard and heavy and target the muscles that we want to target. Whereas general stretching and mobility, well, continuing on the um, point I was just making before, well, it can be enjoyable and it can help a little bit anecdotally. If you're looking for the scientifically optimal way to do things, there is really no need to stretch or do mobility before you weightlift or strength train. But again, not everything is, you know, comes down to the scientifically optimal version. And so if anecdotally you feel better from doing some stretching, from doing some mobility, like I do, uh, I posted on my story not long ago, what I generally do to warm up for legs. And it involves a little bit of yoga-ish type moves that stretch my quad and my hamstring. So instead of just getting right into the squat and starting with, I would start with actually even just the bar, which is like a fourth of what I usually lift. So it doesn't always have to be about 50%. Um, you can even go as light as a quarter of the weight that you normally use and really just get even more reps there, 10 to 20, really get that muscle warmed up, really get that pattern ingrained into your mind and how that's going to feel, what sort of uh, range of motion your muscles are going to be going through, showing them that, um, showing yourself that in your, in your brain, imagining lifting the heavy weight, you know, um, but if you do want to do some additional stuff, not a problem, not really going to be necessarily that much more helpful in terms of lifting more weight or being more optimal for growing muscle in any way. But again, like I said, anecdotally, it does feel better. So feel free to do that. But in general, you want to just do three to four sets of 50% of your working weight and from about five to 10 reps. Again, even going lower if you want to for even more reps. So like for deadlift, I do something similar that I do with the squat. I'll start out with 135 and rep that about 10 times just because it's super light and I'm just getting ready, getting the cues that I want down and stuff like that. Um, the other thing I would add here is that you don't have to do this for every movement. You really only have to do this if you're training a muscle group for the first time. So if you're doing a chest and back day, you are going to be required to do this drawn out warm up set for say your bench press is your first chest exercise and your row is your first back exercise. You're gonna to have to do this warm up, this extended warm up for both of them because you're working different muscles. Whereas if you do a type of training where like you're working chest, triceps and shoulders maybe, you don't need to warm up very much if at all on your shoulders or tricep exercises if you start out with the bench press because that is going to warm up your shoulders and your triceps appropriately and there's not any need for additional uh, warming up. So only if they're different muscle groups, I'd recommend doing the warm up um, with additional exercises. If not, you can just basically jump right into your heavy sets on the, the next lift, like for the bench press and then going into triceps and shoulders work example. So like a traditional push day. The second question here is, what supplements are worth taking? And I say worth taking here because I've also got the question, what supplements should I take? What supplements are necessary to take? And the answer to that is always none. There is no supplement that you have to take to get in absolutely fantastic shape. That can all be done through training and diet alone. I often like to say that supplements are about the last 5% of things that you need to worry about. 
That being said, there is a few I take on a regular basis and I'm gonna tell you why here and how much I take. And the first one may be obvious um, to most people that have heard me talk on the podcast or seen what I've written on Instagram, but I'm a huge fan of protein powder, not because of any special effects. Again, I try to always give the caveat of protein powder is not necessarily the, the most, well, it is useful to have around a workout, but a lot of people think that that's the only reason for protein powder. And the reason for protein powder is really just to get your total protein up on a daily basis. It's not so much for feeding the anabolic window, as they say, which I've talked about the fact that that's mostly a myth. Um, what you really need to honor is the Perry workout window, which just says that you should get some sort of protein and hopefully other nutrients in within five hours of your workout. So who is it going to do that in just the general course of a day, having breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Don't worry so much about the timing, but do worry about the fact that you need close to 0.6 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So like for me at 180 pounds, that's going to be a bare minimum of about 110 grams. And what I'm trying to shoot for daily is one gram per pound of body weight. So close to 180. And I don't worry about it. If I get, you know, above about 140, 150, that's close enough for me. Um, I think that one is pretty hard to get even someone like me who's having a protein shake or two a day and focused on eating meat and eggs and other stuff like that and high protein dairy products, it can be hard sometimes. So don't worry about necessarily every single day having to get to that one gram of protein per pound of body weight, because that's a lot. And especially if you are someone who is not lean and has a lot of body fat, you might think about more uh, gearing towards a gram of protein per pound of a lean body mass. So if someone is let's say 30% body fat and they weigh 200 pounds, they have 140 pounds of lean body mass. And so that would be a number that they could shoot for that's more manageable. So protein powder is very beneficial just because it helps you to reach your daily protein goal. Um, in addition, you could have like protein bars. That's more or less the same thing. They have a lot more um, other macros and other shit thrown in there. Not something to really worry about too much. I'd go with protein powder if you could, but bars are not a bad option. In addition to that, the other supplement that I always recommend people take is creatine. And a lot of people think that creatine, and they think about it in the context of other supplements, like it's something that's almost foreign to the body. You know, you think of supplement, you think of something that's bad for the body or foreign or, you know, not necessarily a, a whole food, which, you know, I look at protein powder, like that's a whole food. And I almost look at creatine like an, ex, it's a, an extension of whole foods because creatine is actually found in red meat and salmon and some other food. And so you'll get a tiny bit of protein from your diet. There's basically about a pound of um, either red meat or salmon has about a gram of creatine. So it's in food, but not in the dose that we want it. And the dose that we want it is about three to five grams a day. So that's why I like to supplement with it. Um, what creatine does, it can improve muscle gain, it can improve anaerobic performance, and it can even enhance cognitive performance too, so help you think more clearly and think better. So that is the reason that I like it. Additionally, it is the most studied supplement basically of all time. Um, if you think about protein powder being more geared towards like it's a real food, um, if, you, if you consider creatine to be a supplement, it's been really studied, it's been honed by every company at this point to be pure. And in the past, there might've been a couple issues with it as far as like bloating and stuff like that. That's why people would say that you need to drink more water when you're taking creatine. But now it's really pure. It's really good. Every company can do a uh, good creatine. Um, I would recommend the monohydrate 
creatine monohydrate, having three to five grams a day. But that's one of those supplements that's just a no-brainer to me because in addition to all that stuff that I already said, it's cheap too. Other supplements that I take on a daily basis or a weekly basis at least, fish oil, that's one I do take on a daily basis. Um, the benefit here is that most people are not getting, say, three to four servings of fatty fish like salmon a week, which would give you enough um, omega-3 fatty acids in your diet. But because most people aren't doing that, um, you want to get that number up from supplementation. Fish oil supplementation uh, will get your omega-3 stores up. Omega-3 fatty acids are, it, it's not this black and white, but they're kind of like the good fat counterpart to omega-6s. Now, omega-6s aren't necessarily bad. There's a lot of research out there that just states simply that you have to balance your omega-3 and omega-6. And if it's balanced, it's not that having a lot of omega-6 is bad. But there is... It's, it's widely agreed upon that you need to get more, especially Americans and people in parts of the world that don't eat a lot of fatty fish need to get more omega-3s. So this is another almost no-brainer. It's, it's not necessarily something that's super important. If you leave it out, you can get omega-3s from a lot of other sources and you'll get enough. But there is a lot of benefits to getting um, a lot of omega-3, a lot relative to what you would just get from your diet. Um, it can aid in muscle gain and fat loss to some extent. Again, it can improve cognitive function, and it has also been shown to reduce inflammation and improve insulin sensitivity. The other supplements here, vitamin D. I take vitamin D only three or four times a week, like maybe every other day, because I do get a decent amount of vitamin D from foods. Um, but the reason here is that it is kind of hard to get enough in your diet unless you're being very specific about what you're eating. Vitamin D supports heart and bone health. It again pre preserves insulin sensitivity and it can help with your immunity, which a lot of people have probably heard now that we are in the times of COVID. Um, the amount that I would recommend is just a few thousand IUs per day. That's how it's measured. And again, you can spread that throughout the week. Um, you can basically find fish oil and vitamin D supplements just about anywhere that sells supplements. The other ones I want to mention here magnesium. Again, I get a little bit from my diet, especially from green veggies. So I don't take this every day. It's usually a three times a week supplement for me. Uh, men need about 400 grams a day, women about 300. And so if you supplement with a 200 gram pill every once in a while, it can kind of fill in the gap if you're not quite getting enough. Magnesium is another really crucial micronutrient that you may not be getting enough of from your diet. It's critical in repairing DNA damage and enough uh, magnesium deficiency can lead to diseases as you age. So that's why that's important there. And then the last thing that I take on a regular basis is turmeric because it has been shown to fight inflammation, lower risk of heart disease. And it's another one of those that you are, well, basically even more so than vitamin D and magnesium, because those are micronutrients that are going to be in your diet already. This is not something that's going to be in your diet already. Um, you don't need a lot. Another one that I supplement 1,200 milligrams of every uh, other day or three days a week. And it just, again, it's not going to be a huge game changer, but it can help with the benefits that I mentioned here. So those are all the supplements I'd mention. Um, a good pre-workout can help too, as long as you're being careful not to consume a ton of caffeine, which is the main ingredient in pre-workouts like after two or three in the afternoon, I would not recommend anyone take a pre-workout that works out at night because that's going to interfere with your sleep too much. 
Um, but a couple of the best ingredients that have been most studied in pre-workouts are beta alanine and citrulline mallet. So try to look for those in your pre-workout supplement. Pre-workout's one of those things, again, not going to make a huge difference, but hey, another anecdotal type thing is if you get a new pre-workout, you're probably going to have a reason to go to the gym. You know, you look at that and you go, okay, let's get hyped up and go to the gym. So not to discount pre-workout, it can be useful as well. Next one here, how do I live safely? Should I be worried about my safety in the gym? My answer here is pretty simple and straightforward. I would just say no if someone wanted me to give a yes or no answer. Weightlifting is not unsafe. Um, if I was to expand, I would give the caveat that you do need to pay attention to having the right form and being careful not to lift way too much and ego lift. I'll link to my podcast I did recently about ego lifting uh, if you want to hear more about that. But we're all familiar with the people. And like I mentioned in my podcast, the the people in quotes is oftentimes ourselves now or ourselves in the past. But lifting way too much weight um, that you can't handle appropriately can be dangerous. But if you're lifting an amount of weight that's appropriate for you, lifting is very safe. Um, if you're learning just the base levels of how to appropriately do an exercise, which again, plug for my coaching, I help a lot with that. Um, but if you are learning these things from like YouTube videos, etc., coaches on Instagram, you're going to be fine. Um, everybody gets injured in some capacity in life, usually one way or another. So it does happen in weightlifting every now and then, especially with people like me who aspire to weightlift their whole life. Um, I'm sure that I'll get injured at some point or another, but I'm sure if I didn't lift weights, I'd, I'd get injured at some point or another too, just, you know, walking the dog or going up and down the stairs or, you know, something like that, moving a couch, people get injured. Um, but weightlifting is not even one of the things that's going to make it more likely. I would say that it's going to make it a lot less likely that you get injured because you're strengthening not only your muscles, but your tissue, joints, bones as well, if you're doing it appropriately. So as long as you are lifting with proper form and not lifting way too much weight, um, you're doing your body a huge service as far as not getting injured. Um, if you want to think of what does it exactly look like to lift safely, um, as far as like a specific, I would recommend at least like a two second lowering of the movement and the um, raising of the movement is going to be about half that speed, but two to three seconds even if you want to be even more careful is um, a good way to think about lowering the weight. So if you think about the bench press or the squat, lowering down one, two, and then up, it's about a second. Um, that's a good way to make sure you're being safe, not just dropping the weight, not just you know letting gravity do it, but making sure your muscles are involved and you're paying attention to, again, just that proper form and appropriate amount of weight. Fourth uh, question here out of the six that we have, should I stretch? And if so, when should I stretch? So I mentioned that you can stretch a little bit before or after a workout if you want to. Um, it's not the most optimal thing. If I had to recommend, I would definitely recommend that you stretch not around your workout, like at a totally separate time. But that being said, I understand that some people, myself included, often get into the mindset of like, okay, now this hour, hour and a half, two hours is the time to pay attention to my body. So I'm going to lift, I'm going to get my stretching in, I'm going to get my cardio in, whatever else it is you want to do. And so sometimes it's just you, you group all that stuff together. That's just kind of how life works. Um, but as far as a specific recommendation, I would recommend that you stretch a, apart from your workout, at least a few hours. 
And I don't like a lot of static stretching, like the normal, you know, stretching that you would do touching your toes, you know, holding your arm across your body, that kind of stuff. I'd recommend a lot more uh, stretching that is yoga sort of stretching. I um, actually do yoga for one of the main reasons being that it forces me to stretch. Now, that's kind of a whole another tangent, but that's the reason I started yoga. I really got into the whole mindfulness and meditative practice of it too, and the spiritual aspect of it. But I started yoga because I couldn't make myself stretch, and I still enjoy that benefit of it, although not as much as the just um, attention that gets paid in yoga to your emotions, to your mind, and stuff like that. Again, topic for another day, but here are a few stretches that are common in yoga that will help you out if you want to write these down in your notes in your phone. Um, on a piece of paper or whatever, I'd recommend doing that with a lot of the stuff here because it's useful information that you can put into practice. But stretches I recommend a lot and that are a little more dynamic than your typical stretch, which dynamic just means that you're active and your joints and muscles are going through a full range of motion versus being passive in a static stretch, like I mentioned, toe touching, stuff like that. Um, my favorite stretches being, I like the reclined thunderbolt stretch. I like the pigeon stretch. I like the crescent lunge. I like the runner's lunge. Those are all for lower body. For upper body, I like the thread the needle. I like the eagle arm stretch. I like the tabletop stretch, wall shoulder stretch, which is just putting your arms up on the wall. Um, I also like the bird dog stretch. I like the cat cow, and I like the wide-legged fold. In addition, the only other one I'd probably mention is just um, getting down into a squat, like an active squat where you're not just like resting and inactive but you're keeping the muscles active and you're just down in a squat um there's been a movement called like squat and scroll when people just when they're on their feet or whatever they're getting down in a squat because it's a good i don't know way to spend more time down there um the benefit of just getting down in an active squat is you're going to really help a lot with lower mo body mobility and it's going to be make the the squat motion more comfortable um which is obviously going to in turn help with muscle gain, and just overall mobility. That's it as far as stretches. Fifth question here is, how do I decide on portion sizes? What sort of portion sizes should I eat? For that, I'll give a few different answers because this is a pretty broad question. I like to really recommend to anyone to get two to six servings of fruits and vegetables a day to really cover your fiber needs as well as your micronutrient needs to a large extent. That's a pretty much non-negotiable for anyone out there. Um, and that's, it's not hard to get two servings. That's at a bare minimum. Um, you can get four or five servings all in one meal. If you want to knock it out all in one meal, you can put it in a smoothie if you want. Um, what I like to do oftentimes is either have a spinach salad or just have like frozen, uh, vegetables like Brussels sprouts, broccoli, green leafy vegetables are always going to be the best. And usually it's all, it's also just some fruit with breakfast, whether that be a banana, berries in my oatmeal, stuff like that. Um, I also recommend, of course, to get enough protein, try to get that 0.6 to 1 grams per pound of body weight. And in addition, the reason I'm saying that is because once you really have that nailed in, if you can, it's best to uh, portion out your protein, eating it two to four times a day if you can. So um, that's going to help you with muscle protein synthesis. Again, your first focus should be definitely just getting that 0.6 to 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight and getting that dialed in and figuring out how to do that. But if you want to further optimize it, more protein servings is shown to be a little bit better. And again, it's one of those things where most people are probably doing this on autopilot anyway. So 
as far as portion sizes for when you are like building a meal, there is a few general guidelines. So I like to talk about stuff like either in terms of sometimes I'll just go like what the macros look like. So like a good balanced meal for me might be anywhere from like 20 to 40 grams of fat, um, 50 to 150 grams of carbs and 30 to 70 or 80 grams of protein. That's about what my meals come out to be. And my meals are often very similar in calories and I'll just split them up into three and I'll get all my macronutrients for the day. So that's one way to think about it. Another way to think about it, if you don't count calories, totally fine. Um, it's always good to have a portion of meat and that should be anywhere from like four to eight ounces. It's always good to have a portion of carbs and I'll explain what that should look like here. And then um, veggies can kind of be really just eat as much as you want, as long as you're getting enough. Don't ever worry about eating too much veggies and getting too many calories from vegetables because they're going to fill you up before they ever uh, become a source of too many calories. As far as just a really quick way to think about this, a portion of protein should be about the size of your palm. A portion of carbs should be about the size of your fist. And a portion of fat should be about the size of your thumb. So that's a really useful sort of metric that I've used with clients and other people that have asked, the, excuse me, the question before. Last one here. The question is how long should I rest between sets? That is a question I get a lot. And the way I answer is that first of all, most people probably don't rest enough. So we get caught up in the wanting to have an intense workout, wanting to be sweaty, wanting to feel like we've worked hard. And I've talked about before reasons why that is not an appropriate or appropriate metrics for seeing if you've had a good workout. CrossFit, high intensity classes at Orange Theory and all that kind of stuff is really popular these days because people want to feel like they've had a good workout. But what really makes a workout a good workout is if you gain strength, if you've progressively overloaded your body in some way, I've talked about the ways to do that. The, the, the main two being reps lifted or weight lifted, but you can also manipulate your rest times. You can manipulate your tempo. Those are other ways to progressively overload the body. Um, but as far as the specific question of resting, I think if you are doing hypertrophy type training, so like the 10 plus rep range, it's going to be a little bit shorter maybe 60 to 90 seconds, give or take. And if you're doing more strength training and focused on that low rep range, say give or take five, it's gonna be longer anywhere from two to three minutes. And the other caveat here is that, uh, this is probably pretty obvious, but compound weightlifting movements like the squat, deadlift, bench press are gonna require a lot more rest time than say a bicep curl or a lateral raise or a calf raise or a leg extension. So think about that as well. Um, a good general anecdote, Again, it's just to rest as long as you need to, to catch your breath. So once you've fully caught your breath, then you can begin again. And that'll essentially just like play into that whole, of course, it's going to take longer to catch your breath on a squat deadlift than it is a, a leg extension, a bicep curl. So it's kind of one of those things where it becomes intuitive and you don't necessarily have to look at the clock or look at your stopwatch or whatever. But if you do want to do that, 60 to 90 is good for the 10 plus rep range. Two to three minutes is good for the five-ish rep range. Um, and in addition to that, if you're one of those people that doesn't like to wait around, sit around, I totally understand that. And so something I recommend a lot of times for clients is doing, and this is something I'll touch more on in the future, but doing peripheral supersets and peripheral supersets just means that you do a 
different muscle group than you're working. And you do that in between sets of a bigger, more compound lift. So the best example is like doing biceps curls in between sets of bench press. If you want to rest two to three minutes to really get good and rested for a heavy bench press, you can use that time in between to get some bicep curls in and you'll be fully recovered in your chest, shoulders, triceps, maybe just with a little bit of a burn still in the biceps, but that's not really going to affect the bench press. So that's a good way to make um, use of your time that I implement with clients and recommend really highly. If you have any questions about that or anything else that I mentioned on this podcast, please again, feel free to reach out. Email is on here. Instagram is on here. And of course, I cannot recommend highly enough that you check out a discovery call to chat with me about what working together uh, with me as your coach would look like. Um, But if not, you have a great rest of your week. And I hope to have you back on the podcast listening next time. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you would, please take a minute out of your day to review and rate the podcast as well as subscribe. It would really help me out a lot. And if you're on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on there at jakeparker.fit and screenshot and tag me when you're listening to the show. I'll be sure to share it. And thank you personally on there.